We should be very careful about artificial intelligence. We are summoning the demon. Hey, friendly listener, you are tuning into the Babylon Singularity podcast. I am your host, Peter Herter, and this is the time of the week when we dig into the Bible in its different um, places where it speaks about some things that I feel are pretty important for us to understand. So I'm, I'm zeroing in on certain parts of the Bible because I want... I, I want myself, mostly, but I want you, the listener, to have a framework to understand, like, hey, where is the earth heading right now, and why is it going there? We Those are going to be some strange questions to ask, but those will be the questions we will be asking, because the earth is going in a crazy place, <sighs> and things are accelerating at an incredible um, ways and so and so you know when we're sitting there scratching our heads going what what is this why is it going this direction why is everybody into this thing and, and why are they so crazy about it you know or whatever that we have a biblical framework to work with to understand like hey there's certain realities going on behind the scenes that will help us understand what's going on on a daily basis when we open the news feed and we go oh look well look at that that's weird. We can go, oh, wait, no, that this is all according to God's plan. This is exactly the way he drew it up. Much to the chagrin of those people who think they're actually leading it, who they actually aren't leading it, but God is bringing it to pass. <laughs> Many of them, you know, don't believe or give any credit to God at all. I mean, most of them are, are really atheists, uh, and I'm speaking of transhumanists, right? Many of these uh, tran transhumanists, which is such a lame term, I, I, we've, it seems like we've got to come up with something better than transhumanist because it's so lame. I, I got, I'm going to coin a term, I think, and just because just I don't think everybody's going to be sick of this word, but it's trance, like transcendent humans, right, to transcend, and, and uh, transhumanism, this idea to transcend, well, it actually has really ancient roots, and those roots are exposed in the Bible, and it's really important for us, as a pe the people of God, to be able to go, yeah, no, this is, man, wow, look at God here, Woo, this is incredible, God, you put this whole thing together, all I can do is worship and bow and, and say you're amazing, and, and, and really just try to lock into your word by your spirit through prayer, because that's how this thing works, it works through faith, by grace, it's by grace and mercy alone, that we are received and embraced and redeemed and given His Spirit, His grace and mercy alone. And if you ever forget that, if you ever forget like, oh no, this is completely God's mercy and God's grace, entirely, there's no, there's no other thing involved. It's His grace and His mercy for His glory right? If you start to begin to think like, oh yeah, no, actually, you know, um, you know, it's, 
it's uh you know part partly you know my works or partly partly you know what i bring to the table and and somehow like somehow our self importance gets out of control and we begin to forget god and we forget to pray and we forget to do all the things that we're supposed to be doing until we realize like oh that's right i'm a sinner and i constantly am leaving god and i really need god's mercy and grace and when you come to that place of depending wholly on grace, wholly on mercy, and and resting fully in that, God turns on the switch. He says, okay, yeah, now, now we're talking again. Now we can talk. It's when we get full of pride, arrogance itself, reliance, all those things that cut off that are that are, that are basically doubt and and pride, right? Um, when we get those things active in our lives, it's like turning off the switch of God's favor and what he's saying, right? It's pride. God says, I res- if you enter into pride, I will resist you. Well, here we are. We're, we're living in a society that is filled with pride, filled with pride. And God is resisting the proud. Be sure of it. That doesn't change. And so, like, if we want to not experience what the proud will experience, those full of pride, if we want to escape that, we've got to humble ourselves. And we have to really say, no, really, truly, honestly, I am, like, utterly sinful and I need and depend completely on God's grace. So that's what I'm doing here today, um, leaning on God's grace. And just uh, we're jumping into Daniel 7 today, which is, I don't know, in my, in my estimation, probably the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. I think, it's, I think it might be the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm biased, so I mean, you know... I, I'm sure other other people would say other chapters, and um, I'd be glad, you know, to go. Yeah, wow, there's some really amazing chapters. But Daniel seven stands alone. It is absolutely incredible. So I, I want to kind of dig into it, into the uh, the context of it, um, the larger idea of it. Um, last week we were in Daniel two, and we were talking about the empires, right? The empires that would would come, and they were represented in a statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw, and there was a head of gold and a chest of silver and a midsection of bronze, legs of iron, and then finally these feet that were made of the iron and introduced the clay. So last week I, I talked about, hey, that, that's, those, those are the four empires that have ruled since Nebuchadnezzar. That's, that's Babylon, that's Persia, that's Greece, and it's Rome. Those are the four right there. The legs of iron is Rome, right? And then that empire continues to the very end, but at the very end, somehow iron and clay is mixed together, but it's unsustainable. It's, iron doesn't mix with clay, and so the whole idea is ludicrous. It would never work. Never will work. That doesn't mean people won't try. And so last week I talked about how those are the four empires, and then at the very end you have the Roman Empire with a transhumanist 
uh, ideology or reality behind it where man and machine mix together. The iron mixes with the potter's clay. Um, and so uh, just a, a quick recap last week, that was Daniel 2. This week, Daniel 7, even more intense, even more intense. And I, before I get too far here, I'm just going to ask the Lord's blessing on this episode. Jesus, we look to you in your word. We bow before you. You are holy. You are good. You are just. You are right. And your plans are wise and so good. Good for the nations. Good for the saints. Good for your glory. It is good. It is good. And we say, God, your plan is good and you are good. And we, we get to enjoy you forever and ever and ever. And you give us this, this life here now to be lived for you. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to live for you alone, Jesus, to follow you wherever you go. Lead us in grace. Lead us in mercy. We humbly bow and eagerly desire to see you face to face. We want you to come back. Our world is so messed up. Our world is ready, is already breaking. People are dying. Uh, it, our world is sad and, and full of death and sin and, and wrongness, God. We need your kingdom, your justice, your rule back in the earth. And, and we look forward to that day. We say, Maranatha, Jesus, come quickly. We're looking to you. And we're asking you for inspiration from your word, just like you laid it out. We don't need to change anything. We don't need to add anything. We can just read it and just say, hey, this is, this is just what it says. And that's what I want to do today, Lord. And I'm asking for your Holy Spirit power to speak to your saints. Let your word speak to your saints, however you want to speak to them today. Just pray that for that anointing, that, you're, that you would meet your saints in the way you want to meet them in the depths of their being, showing them your great glory, your great plan, and how we have every confidence to, to know we are in good hands. In the name of Jesus, we, we look forward to opening your word. So Daniel chapter 7, it's a, it's a break from the rest of the book it it doesn't really um it doesn't follow um chapter 6 i mean chapter 6 is where um daniel uh daniel goes into the, the is thrown into the lions den and is 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 delivered by 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 god's hand um and so that's a, a wonderful glorious story chapter 6 but then there's just an entire shift of gears into chapter 7. It's just like an entirely different thing. Um, and so there's not a whole lot of reason to kind of back into Daniel 6. We can just kind of kick off Daniel 7 right where it is because it basically stands alone. It's a chapter that stands alone. It says in verse 1, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he laid in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. So David, uh, Daniel has, has this experience. He has an experience, basically, it's, it's uh, described as a dream and visions. So he's, it's a dream he's had, and it's visions he's had. And then it says, 
that he wrote down the the dream and he told the sum of the matter and so and so you can imagine whatever experience Daniel had he wrote down he's like okay I'm just going to kind of sum it up for you. I'm not going to break down the little details. I'm gonna, I'm not going to write down every single detail. I'm going to get I'm going to sum it up. I'm going to give you um a a conclusive kind of uh overview of of what I experienced. And so we can imagine there's probably many more details involved and 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 Daniel wasn't, you know, that that wasn't really for us to know, but we know what the sum, what it meant, what the whole thing was about. And he's like, I'm just going to sum it up for you. So here goes. It says in verse two, I saw in my vision by night, behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea and four great beasts come out of the sea, different from one another, right? So with the vision that he has, that he's talking about here is a vision where that says the wind stirred up the great sea and that four beasts came up. And I don't know, I, I imagine it's in, in succession, like first it's this one, then it's that one, thirdly and fourthly. I mean, it, it's possible maybe they all came up at the same time. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming, I've always assumed that there were, you know, it was a consecutive reality where he sees these beasts coming up out of the sea. And then he describes each of the beasts as they come out. And I don't, I actually don't want to get into the, the, the nitty gritty details of those beasts quite yet. And I don't even know if I'm going to get into that today. Um, because I want to uh, focus in on the larger idea um, at play here. And so I'm going to skip forward just a little bit. And I'm, so I'm just going to kind of describe the, the first section of, of Daniel 7. Uh, and, and that was that, hey, I had a dream of these four beasts that came up out of the sea. The first one was like a lion with wings. The second one was a bear that had like three ribs in its mouth. The fourth one that I saw was this weird, you know, four-headed leopard with four wings um, and then, you know, finally there was this, this next thing and it was like, there's no way to describe it, um, except to say this thing has, uh, it's really freaky. It's terrifying. Um, I, I don't even know what to describe it. It was completely different from the other three that came before it. Um, I can't even really give an animal to describe what this thing is like, because it's actually maybe not even like an animal. It's like something else. But I can tell you that it has iron teeth. So Daniel sees these th uh, four beasts come up, the lion with the wings, right? That's number one. Then it was the bear with the ribs. Then it was the leopard with the four heads. And then finally, some sort of mechanical, metalized beast thing that Daniel sees. He doesn't describe it with any kind of terms that we can go like, oh, it was, you know, it was the, the lion, the bear, the leopard, and then the, there wasn't like, and then the like horse minotaur thing. There, there, there's like literally no way for him to describe this thing. It's like, I don't know what I saw, but it's freaky and it has iron teeth. 
if you want to really boil it down. So that's kind of the first section. So he tells the story of these four beasts that come up. And then on top of the beast, oh, yeah, by the way, it's it also has ten horns. Um, and then it has these horns. And then there's a, there was another little horn that came up. And that, that little horn came and took over the place of the, the uh, other three horns. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just kind of this strange, kind of obscure, but kind of familiar um, text that kind of points back to Daniel 2, right? It's a succession of empires, right? So this time we still have this, it's the same four. It's the same four that we saw before. Right in 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 Nebuchadnezzar's statue, it's Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. Right, and then Rome at right at the end becomes transhumanist at some level, mixing iron with clay. Right, so it's four. Well, here we go again. Four beasts. Um. Same empires, right? Same idea. It's not like, oh, I changed the whole scenario. No, I'm, 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 I'm building a story. I'm building a narrative. The, the four beasts, the four empires, are the same empires that that you're reading about in Daniel chapter two. I mean, they they correspond with each other very simply. And so you have Babylon again as the lion with the wings. Then you have Persia as the bear with the ribs. Greece as the four-headed leopard. Okay, and there's all detailed reasons why to believe each of those. And then the fourth empire, which was Rome, is Rome. But the difference is is that Daniel is seeing Rome in its final stage, right? So the four beasts that Daniel sees are those succession of empires that Rome would run through the very end of time. We talked about that just a little bit, but, you know, a funny thing, uh, I was actually reading, I was reading a, a thing, I think it was New York Times or something, about um, these terrorists, they were interviewing these terrorists, and they're, they're, they, they, that they, uh, they were mem- members of ISIS, and they were in... Syria, and they're they're literally fighting against you know U.S. troops, which is a really bad idea. But the funny thing is, those ISIS fighters looked at those Americans, and not just Americans, but Westerners in general. So Western Europe, anybody kind of from the quote unquote West, and he they believed they called Western powers Rome. That's how they understood. They understood that that this is the continuation of the Roman Empire. And there's a lot of historians who go like, yeah, the the answer to when did the Roman Empire really end, end is a very difficult one to answer. Because if you look at the influence of Rome that goes well beyond not just the western end of the empire, not just the eastern end of the empire, but basically pervades all of the world right now with the Roman Republican uh, form of government, right? And, 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 and none stronger than the most powerful country on the earth, and that's the United States, right? The, the, the government of, of the, U, the U.S. government is based on the Roman Republic, you know, and, and our architecture looks like it. There's all sorts of reasons to believe, like, Rome really hasn't ended. What started in Rome has not really been stamped out. In fact, it's burgeoning and growing, and then right at the end, it's going to have this uh, a couple of signatures. The, the book of Daniel says it's going to be a mixture of iron and clay, 
And then now we, we fast forward into Daniel 7, and Daniel sees Rome in its final version. And here's why I say that, in, in its final hours, the, the final and the, the culmination of Rome, the, that, that empire, that fourth empire, that empire of iron that crushes the entire world, that empire of Rome at the very end mixes iron with clay and it produces this insane beast with iron teeth. So we see this correlation of iron, right? There's iron in the teeth, which points to Rome because it was iron legs. But then more than that, the iron that smashes the nations, right? It's, it's this iron of Rome that would smash the nations. And it's this iron that you find in the teeth of the fourth beast, which is Rome. It all ties together very nicely. And just, just one more thing to mention um, before I move, move on. Um, the little horn. The, okay, so, so, so Daniel sees this beast with iron teeth. It's terrifying. This beast has 10 horns. And then it says there's another one, a little one, that comes up and replaces, or is, it says, um, before which three. So three of the horns are plucked up, like pluck, 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 three gone. And in their place, the little horn is established. And then it says, and this is the important part, and behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. So this, this little horn has eyes, like he's, he's watching, it's got to be the weirdest thing, but it's amazing. He's, he's looking at this terrifying beast and he's like, uh, okay, there's 10 horns. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. There's the 10 horns. Wait a second. Here comes, no, here comes a little horn. Uh, and I'm looking closer at this little horn. Wait, okay. The three get plucked up and the little horn is placed where the three were. And, uh, wait, it's got eyes. The horn has eyes that look like a man. <laughs> like, what? What am I looking at? What That horn has eyes. He describes it. And besides having a horn, it has a mouth and it speaks great things, right? So you're like, okay, what is that? Because here, here we have Rome in its final version. And it's, a, it's, it's the version of iron and clay. We've got this monster with iron teeth. Right, it's the it's the final expression of the the legs of iron, the Roman Empire. It's right before Jesus returns and destroys it, this fourth beast. Right, so it's right at the end. Now it's this mixture of iron clay. It's created this monster, and this monster has ten ten horns. Three of them are plucked up. One 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 is established with eyes, with a mouth speaking great things. Now. For the fun part, right? <laughs> Verse 9, as I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court sat in judgment, and the books were open. Okay, that is probably one of the most amazing prophetic experiences anyone could ever have or more anointedly describe. 
the thing that Daniel is describing right there. He says, thrones were placed. So he's looking up, it's heaven. It's, he's, he's looking into the literal courtroom of heaven, and he's describing what he's seeing as he looks into this courtroom. And what happens in this courtroom? Well, in this courtroom, there is a judge who makes de- decisions and makes decrees, and when he says it, it is what, exactly as he says Whatever he decides, however it shakes out, and whatever judgment he makes, it is true and perfect, and decrees come forth from that perfect judgment, and whatever he decides will be done, and there is nothing anyone can do to slow it down or stop it. This is the courtroom of heaven. This is where it all happens. The ancient of days, a being holy and majestic and glorious before tens of thousands who bow down before him and serve him, fire issues forth from him. This wheels in his throne of fire and, and, and majesty. And what does he do, this being who shines like the sun, whose hair is like wool, before the before all before who all bow before and worship? What is what is this who is this ancient of days, the unending one? What is he doing? He's sitting down and books are being opened. What well what books? What's going on? Well, he's there to do something. He's there to judge and he's there to decide. He's going to judge the matter, whatever the matter is that comes before him. He's going to judge it and he is going to make a decision and a decree that cannot be stopped. And so who's up first before this mighty judge? Well, it's the accuser. Verse 11, I looked because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. So here's the, here's the thing. He is, Daniel turns, looks into the courtroom of heaven, sees the majesty of God enthroned and books being opened before him. And he's in this moment and all he can hear is the sound of this voice. Like what? Wait, oh, wait. Oh, that the the oh the the whatever that the the terrifying beast, that thing has a horn that's talking and it's really kind of interrupting what's happening in this courtroom. Well, what's happening is this little horn is making his case before the holy one. The holy one there is to, here to judge, and who is speaking before him right now? The little horn is speaking, and he's saying great words. He's got these great thoughts, and wow, this is really amazing. And wow, I mean, I mean, this could even prevail upon the majesty and the, the wisdom of God, you'd think, because of what the, this guy is saying. It's amazing. I mean, incredible wisdom um, and prideful, boasting arrogance, great words, great thoughts, highly intelligent, this 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 little horn intelligent compared to us n- not intelligent compared to 
Almighty God, who is the author, the, 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 the originator of intelligence. You, you cannot catch God. You cannot catch him. He is God, and we are his creation, and he reigns forever. And no devil, no man, nothing that God creates will ever catch him, okay? Like the nations, we talked about Psalm 2, how the nations come together and rage against God. Why do they rage against him? Well, because God set his king in Zion. Guess who that king is? It's Jesus. And guess what? People don't like that. But when these people think they can plot against God and and take his throne and catch him somehow... His creation rebels against him, devils, humans, all together, joining in Satan's rebellion. And with all their rage against him and all the rage against the king that he has set in Zion and how they would love to take his place, God thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny. He sees his creation trying to do that. And he thinks it's funny. So that tells you that you do not want to be on that side of the equation, right? You do not want to, you do not want to be on the wrong end of that laugh, okay? We want to worship, adore the king he has set in Zion. He, because this king, there's no king like him. King Jesus. You, you got to know him for yourself. If you don't know him, I encourage you, call on his name right now. He is one whispered prayer away. If you're desperate, if you don't know what to do, if, you don't, if you've never done this before, I am I, just telling you right now, turn your heart to Jesus and ask him to help. Tell him you're sorry that you've sinned against him. Tell him you don't want to sin anymore. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. Turn to him 100%, 100%, and lock into him every day for the rest of your life. He will lead you. If you seek him, he will lead you. If you seek him, the more you seek him, the more you, stuff you'll see happen. It's not a, it's not a works relationship. It's, it's just a God. When, God when, so, when a man or a woman is plugged into God, things happen. And when you plug in, the more you plug in, the more you will see God move in your life. So there's Daniel looking into the courtroom of heaven hearing the noise of this little horn still speaking, great things. And then he looks, he's like, oh my goodness, this this little horn, you know, it's like kind of distracting me. That's He's speaking over here. And then he's like, okay, what, the, oh, the little horn was on that beast thing, right? Okay, well, it says the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given to be burned in the fire. So, So Daniel looks at this, beast that was really freaky, really terrifying. And and he gets he gets he gets caught up in this courtroom scene. He's seeing God enthroned, opening books, ready to make 
judgments on eternity. He hears the speaking, that the annoying speaking of that little horn speaking these incredible things that are, it's a, just says they're great things. And he's looking at it, he's like, okay, what is this? Now what happens? And he's like, oh, wait, that horn that was attached to that beast, the, the beast's body is not, the, the body of that thing with iron teeth is being thrown into a, a fire and um, it's gone. <laughs> the, thing, <laughs> the thing that the human, the human race waited so long to build, this final expression of, of, of empire, the, the, the grand glory and achievement of mankind, <laughs> uh, it fell into the fire and it's gone now, right? This, this unstoppable thing is now, uh, uh, you know, turning to ashes and then the ashes will blow away and then they'll be gone right yeah incredible passage so we we know we, we know that and then so so the little horn what what is the judgment that god gives the the beast right what what the 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 fourth beast with the iron teeth that's super terrifying um here's 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 judgment number 1 judgment number 1 um, beast is in fire. Okay. So that's, that's happening, right? Beast is in fire. That's what happens. Okay. Now push pause on the little horn just for a second. Now, now this, here's this next scene, right? Here comes the next scene. Verse 13. I saw in the night visions, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. And all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Very different than the beast empire that the little horn was perched on, right? The first judgment comes, it's the, 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 the beast thing is on fire and it's burning and it's dead and it's going to be gone forever. So God says, okay, little horn, this is what happens to you. The beast that you're perched on dies in fire. Okay, next. Now, the Literally, the clouds of heaven enter, fill the courtroom. So you see this cloud rolling in before the ancient of days. And who is on with the clouds in the clouds? Who is this? Daniel looks. He says, it, it's a man. It's a person. I don't know who it is, but all I can tell you, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's God, but it's a man. Don't know how to say that. Don't know how to make that sound kosher in Hebrew theology, but it's a man and it's a God. And this man is being presented before the Ancient of Days. And what is awarded to this one like a son of man? What is does he suffer the same fate as the little horn? Does he do the clouds 
you know, is, 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 is there any kind of negative judgment, any kind of judgment at all against this one like a son of man? Nope, there, there isn't one single negative judgment. Not one single negative judgment. This is the perfect man. This is the Son of God. And what is the Son of God, the one like a Son of Man in the clouds, what is he given? Well, he's given glory and a kingdom that all people and nations and languages would serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So this one who comes in on the clouds looks like a man, looks like the Son of Man, but it's the Son of God, is, a, is awarded glory forever, and he is awarded a kingdom forever, a kingdom that does not end. Unlike the beast that ends up in the fire, this is a kingdom that never ends. And it's awarded to who? The Son of God. And who was that man? That man was, is forever. Who was, who is, and is to come. That man is Jesus Christ. He is the one who is awarded a kingdom that never passes away. He is the one who is awarded glory. So Daniel has this grand vision. I mean, probably, I mean, it's, 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 okay. So first of all, he sees the history of empire from the days of Nebuchadnezzar to the last moments of the final empire on earth, right? He sees this succession of empires, starting with Babylon and then Persia. Greece, and then Rome, and this final expression of Rome as this crazy, terrifying, iron-toothed thing. Then he, he hears this little horn that's on top of that has eyes like a man. That's like the freakiest thing. This horn has eyes like a man and speaking big things, big ideas, great things, intelligent things, deceptive things, wrong things evil things, this little horn speaking all of that, all of that, right? And then Daniel is taken to the courtroom scene where the Ancient of Days sits down and the books of heaven are open before him because he is about to make a judgment on the things that have been before him. Well, what are those things? Those things are human empire, right? God sees these empires that man has created God knows what he has created. God has created a good world. God has, has created mankind and, and God has created the heavens and the sea and all there is God has created, right? So there's no doubt about the glory of God and his, his creation. So now God is looking at, okay, mankind, what have you created? I would love to see what you guys have been up to here. Well, this is what we've been up to, Lord. Um, well, first it was Nebuchadnezzar. So we started out pretty good. That was like a lion with wings. He did pretty good. Nebuchadnezzar is pretty cool, right? 
Yeah, we like him. Persia is a bear with ribs, kind of like, what is that? Not, not much good to anybody, mostly destructive, right? Then there's the leper. The, then human beings create this leopard with four heads empire. Well, this thing is fast and it takes over, but it's still vicious and a predator. And so probably more than more of a nuisance and a danger than any good. Oh, but then finally, to top it all off, the frosting on the cake is that we're going to create this fourth beast that's not even biological. It's mechanical. It has iron teeth, and then then Daniel will go on to say he's got bronze claws. This is a mechanical beast. This is the creation of man. This is the thing that these are the things that are coming before God in his throne and his in his judgment, looking down, going, This is what you guys came up with? I mean, the lion, okay, I got that. That was kind of cool. The bear is kind of you could see it going south. The leopard was weird, kind of evil. But then this last thing is completely out of hand. So much so that I'm just going to chuck this thing in the fire right now, right? So as God is opening, he's making these judgment. The first thing is this little horn. What's this little horn on? It's this mechanical beast. The immediate judgment is looking, oh, the beast is in the fire. Okay. Then one comes in rolling in the clouds of heaven before, presented before and what will be the judgment on this one that's like a son of man? A kingdom and eternal dominion that never diminishes, never grows weak. It, it, is, it is established forever. It is, it, is, it is the kingdom of God awarded to the, the son of man, the, the son of God, Jesus. Incredible. Incredible vision, right? You're just like, wow, you saw all that, Daniel? So then, so then, you know, you know, here's this angel who's kind of assigned to help Daniel out on this whole thing. He's like, I better go make sure, you know, Daniel doesn't have any questions about this thing. I'll, I'll ask him about this, right? Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me back that up. Let me back that up. Um, I, so I, I thought there was an angel. No, no, no. Okay. Let me, I'll just read this. It says, as for me, Daniel, uh, my spirit within me was anxious. And the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. He says, these four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. So. So, so I was wrong. There wasn't an angel who kind of came up to Daniel. In fact, Daniel was standing there, but he saw some sort of a heavenly being, and maybe it was a saint, maybe it was an angel. I don't, I don't know who Daniel's talking to here. But he's like, I'm going to go ask this guy because he looks like he knows what's going on here because I'm clueless. So he goes up and he asks the guy. He says, um, "Hey, um, I just saw that. You saw that, right? Um, what, what was that? I have no idea what that was." And the guy's like, well, I'm just going to just sum it up for you. It's super, super simple. Everything you saw there, it's just, it just boils down to this. Those, those four beasts there, those are four kings or kingdoms or empires. Those are four rules, right? These are four kingdoms that rule through, through time, through, through the, the history of mankind, right? This is, this is the, the history of empire. So these are the four empires, right? The four kingdoms, the four kings that rise from the earth, that the, that, that the earth gives rise to. But the kingdom of God that lasts forever, that's given to the saints. That's the sum of what this vision is all about. 
very profound reality that we get to know with certainty that God says, I know exactly which empires are going to rule the earth till the end. I know exactly which ones. And when that's all done, I am giving my kingdom to my people. And the old order will be blown away and the new order will begin under the leadership of the rightful king, Maranatha. So Daniel then says, I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints, the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Hallelujah. So of all the questions that could be bouncing around in Daniel's mind after this, this vision that he has, right? He sees this whole thing play out. What is the thing that he's most struck by? Like, oh, wow, you must really have a lot of questions about you know, that whole courtroom scene, about the ancient days, the, the, the fiery throne, the, the fire that's streaming before him, or oh, the way the, the, the Son of Man came before him in the clouds and was awarded a kingdom that would never end. You must be really be curious about that. And Daniel's like, yeah, 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 totally. But first, um, I really wanted to know about that fourth beast because that thing was terrifying, it, that, it shows the profound nature of what Daniel saw for him to be like, like see all of that reality in heaven and just be like, the fourth beast, what was that thing? What, what was that, right? And then, and then he goes into details and like, whatever that fourth beast thing was, it's crazy. Please explain what that thing was. It's, and then he goes on and he gives a little bit more detail in this, in this um, version of it, he says that it has iron teeth, which, which he already said, but then he also says it has bronze claws. So we know those two things about it. We know it's fr- terrifying, and we know it's got iron teeth and bronze claws. Outside of that, all we know is that it's not like its biological counterparts, right? When, when, when Daniel saw the first three empires, he's like, oh, easy, lion. Oh, oh easy, bear. Oh, oh, easy, leopard. Then he sees the fourth one, and he's not like, it's a bull giraffe. Uh, it's a elephant hippo. It, it's a rhino. He, he gives no biological equivalent. He, he just says, this thing is completely different than the first three. I believe he says that because he's seeing a mechanical reality, and he's looking at it, and he's going, there's, not, there's no animals like this thing. This thing doesn't even have regular teeth. This thing has iron teeth and claws of bronze. This is a mechanical monster that I'm seeing. I, I deeply believe that's when he's, when he's saying this thing is completely different, completely different. It's of a completely different order. It's not biological. It's technological. It's, it's, it's mechanical, 
right? So that's what he's seeing, and that's why he can't describe it, and that's why he gives him these vague terms. But we can anchor that reality in knowing it's got iron teeth and bronze claws. That's weird. That's weird. And we, can, we know the iron relates to Rome. But that beast has such a profound impact on Daniel that it's like, first question, he's like, okay, yeah. Number one, what was that, what was that fourth beast? And, and so here comes the explanation, right? And he didn't, he didn't ask about anything else. And so this is, this is the answer he gets. Verse 23, this is the guy that Daniel's talking to, right? Daniel's talking to this, this heavenly person, angel, entity, wh- wh- whoever it is. He's, he's, asking, he's asking this guy what that was. And now this... this this angel or person is explaining back. And who knows, maybe it's one of the saints. He says, there will be a fourth kingdom on earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms. It will devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the 10 horns out of this kingdom, 10 Kings will arise and another shall arise after them. He will be different from the former ones. He shall put down three of the kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit in judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under all of heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Simple explanation, right? Sounds simple enough. Daniel asks him, "Hey, what was that fourth beast? It had it had the it had the ten horns. It had the, the little the little horn that was speaking great things. And actually, you know, in, in a little bit more detail, he says he says that the little horn makes war against the saints and overcomes them until Jesus returns. Right? He's 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 basically tipping his hat, saying, "Hey, saints, we're probably going to have a rough go against this guy. He's going to overcome you." Temporarily, then the Ancient of Days returns and he is destroyed forever. Right? So what was the deal with that fourth beast? So here's this guy, angel, saint, explaining. There'll be a fourth kingdom. It'll be different from all the other ones. It will devour the whole earth. It's going to take over the whole earth. And then at some point, there will be 10 kings that arise. So these are 10 kings that this is not a succession of kings. This isn't one king and dies, and then the second king comes and goes, and then the third king. No, no, no. This is 10 kings at once. This is, this is unheard of, but, you know, back in, in, in Daniel's day, I, I, I imagine um, that there wasn't, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of, uh, a, you know, a grid for understanding how a republic might work in the future, right? All they knew at that point was monarchy, was one man ruling. That's what they knew. But then Rome came and brought this whole other idea, was that one guy 
shouldn't rule, but that everyone should rule. So everyone should get a vote. Everyone should have their voice heard. They should be represented, right? So you have a representative form of government. It goes from a monarchy, one guy, whatever he wants happening, to the will of the people. And then once the will of the people is decided, that is how the laws are, are shaped. There was no grid for that kind of government back then. So when Daniel sees a beast with 10 horns that are 10 kings, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to him. It makes lots of sense to us now. Like, oh yeah, sure, you could have 10 guys all together somehow figuring out, you know, as representatives of, of some sort of democracy, right? It, it, that, that makes sense, having 10 kings, you know, um, the reigning simultaneously together in, in some form of, of government that has taken over the entire world. We can totally imagine a scenario like that, right? Some sort of a representative government that, you know, attempts to do the will of the people. Well, that's, that's the government that began in Rome, and that's the government that we will see all the way to the end. And here's why. It's because we will have a chance to vote. And our votes count. And so what we vote for in this age is what we want. And so we have this ten, 10 kings, right? So the so this 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 final fourth empire somehow or another creates these ten kings that are ruling. And then there's another horn that comes up and takes the place. It says that, that this little horn is different, is another king, but he's different from the other one. So it's not just like, oh, we had 10, and then that was too many, so we added this other guy, and he said, no, 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 this, this next little horn, there's something different about him. He's different than all the rest of them. Why is he different? Because this is the Antichrist. This is the man of sin. This is the guy that we've been hearing about for a long time. And we get a very good glimpse of him in Daniel chapter 7. It's the man of sin. It is the false prophet. The false prophet, the Antichrist, the man of sin, all of these titles are in verses of, of who Jesus is, right? In verses, the Antichrist, well, the, the Antichrist is the inverse of the Christ, the, the true Christ, the true anointed one, right? The man of sin is the inverse of the man of God, the God, the God man, you know, it's, he's, it's, he's God, uh, Jesus never sinned once. And here, here the, this Antichrist figure is known as the man of sin. That's all he does. That's all he's about, right? And then finally, the false prophet the, the title of the false prophet, the false messenger, the one who leads people astray under the power of Satan. Well, that's the, that's the very opposite of the title of Jesus. Jesus was known as the prophet. He was the word of God. He is the word in flesh. He is the prophet. I know that might rub some people wrong, but you can see my logic, right? You might not agree with my logic, but you can certainly see where I might be getting that idea from the scripture, not just made up, right? So who is this, this little horn? Well, we know he's going to put down three of the kings. And it says he will speak words against the Most High. And it says he will wear out the saints of the Most High. 
So this is the second time we're seeing this here in this passage, and then we see it again in Revelation 13. But it, two times it mentions first in um, in verse 21, where it says the horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And then now here again in verse 25, where it says he will wear out the saints of the Most High. This guy's going to be a pain. This guy is going to be a pain and he's going to be really smart. He's going to be so smart and deceptive. Very deceptive. Very smart and very deceptive. So that's what we actually need to be looking for. When we like, oh, who is the who is the Antichrist? Well, maybe, you know, I hear people say, Oh, I think it's Trump. I don't I don't want to be mean. But that guy is neither deceptive nor smart. I know he. I know he thinks he's like the most stable genius, and 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 whatever else he thinks about himself. I then I man I I I'm actually thankful for Trump. I think somehow this is staving off judgment longer. I I hope I hope you know. I, but my goodness, if that guy's the Antichrist, I mean, come on, man, can't you come up with something better than that? I mean, seriously, wouldn't you be a little disappointed? So I'm looking for intelligence and deceptions, right? Um, and so that's that's where that's where I'm that's where I'm cued in. But any anyway, back to the text. It says that the saints will be given into his hands, and that um, that they will be in they will be given into his hands for a time, times, and t- half a time, whatever it is, three times. It's kind of a time, times, and half a time. I think generally that's understood as three and a half years. I don't don't quote me on that one, but I'm pretty sure that's there's a three and a half year period where this figure is able to prevail against the saints, or able to overcome the saints, able to um, um, wear out the saints. What you know, and what exactly does this all mean? I don't know, but it's not going to be, this guy is not going to be something straightforward and easy. This guy is going to be operating at a level that it's going to be very difficult to contend with outside of just straight Bible truth. And that's really where we got to be anchored, is in straight Bible truth locked into the Word of God, locked into the truth of God. And don't let anyone shake you from the truth of God. Because there's a lot of shaking going on, and there's a lot of people who are being shaken. But if you put your roots in the Word of God, you will not be shaken. So this guy goes on, and he, and he explains, he says, But the court will sit in judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. So this little horn's destiny is in fire that's that's where he's destined whatever dominion he enjoys for however long he enjoys it will be taken away from him who's going to take it away the creator of everything the originator of intelligence the lord god almighty who reigns forever and ever is going to take it away. And there's nothing anyone can do about it. Why? Because when this 
God who reigns over everything makes a judgment and a decree. It is established forever and nothing can withstand or stop it. This is God who will take away the dominion of the little horn. And it says, the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms of, of under all of heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. And the kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions will serve and obey him. So forever and ever. So there's this blip in the radar, historical radar, where this period of three and a half time, three time times and a half a time happens. This three and a half years happens. The This being, this this man is able to prevail and wear out and overcome the saints, whatever that means. But after that, after that uh, three and a half years is up, then it's over. His dominion is gone, and God's dominion goes on forever, and the kingdom of God is handed to the saints, to those who believed him, who loved him, who served him, who worships him, all those who call him by name and know him to do his will. I hope, I hope that's you today. Because the little horn will be cast into fire along with the beast. But the kingdom awarded to the one like the Son of Man who stands in the clouds of heaven and is given a dominion, an everlasting dominion and a kingdom that never fades away. And he gives it to his saints to those who believe in his name. Do you know Jesus? I encourage you, seek him. Seek him now. Seek him today. Do everything you can, anything, everything that's in your being, to seek Jesus himself. So hopefully you take me up on that. That's kind of it for the show today. Um... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised I kind of got through it. There are some points that I would like to come back to, but I think, I think we've got enough in this uh, episode today to kind of leave it as is. Daniel ends the chapter basically saying, here's the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me. My color changed and I kept the matter in my heart. So basically this, this incredible prophetic experience, deeply profounded deeply uh, had a profound impact uh, on Daniel on his heart, uh, you know, and how he thought about basically everything. I mean, it's like God's giving you this revelation that is the entire history of empire and, and how it's all going to play out. Absolutely incredible. Um, I'm glad you joined me. I hope it's a blessing to you. Let me know what you think. You know, give me give me the good, give me the bad, give me the ugly. You can you can reach me on Twitter. 
Um, I'm always tweeting away one way or another, so feel free to make make a comment on the on the podcast if it's if it's a blessing to you. I appreciate uh, you saints, and I hope you join me next time on the Babylon Singularity Podcast. That concludes this episode of Babylon Singularity. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're looking to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter as well as my website, BabylonSingularity.com. I've also authored a book titled Babylon, available on Amazon. I look forward to hearing any thoughts or feedback, comments that you may have to help me make this show better. I do hope it's a blessing to you, and I hope that you'll tune in next time to Babylon Singularity.